0: Food is medicine. That's the premise behind one of Colorado's most impactful nonprofit organizations, Project Angel Heart. For nearly 30 years, they've been helping meet the nutritional needs of people living with life threatening illnesses by delivering healthy meals to them for free. I'm Courtney Drake McDonough, your host for the In Good Taste Denver podcast and publisher of the In Good Taste Denver blog. I'm really honored that my guest today is Owen Ryan, who's the president and CEO of Project Angel Heart. Owen, thank you so much for joining me today by phone so that we can learn more about what your wonderful organization does. I'm
1: honored to be here. Thanks for the invite.
0: Thanks. So tell us a little bit more beyond what I said in my intro about what Project Angel Heart is all about.
1: Sure. It's most basic. We're all about providing life-saving nutrition to people living with illness across the state of Colorado. So we make meals from scratch in our kitchen in Denver, and every week we deliver them either through volunteers or through shipments to more than 1,300 people across the state.
0: Wow. How and when did it get started?
1: I love our starting story because I think it's a real testament to how we have really come from the community in Colorado. So about a dozen neighbors got together in the early 90s and realized they needed to do something to help people living with HIV in their neighborhoods. And so a group of friends got together St. Barnabas Church basement and they divided up a pan of lasagna from racines and they got it out to people who needed food. And from there we've grown tremendously from thanks to the generosity of people in Colorado to serve people across the state and to serve a whole host of diseases and i think but that core element of volunteers coming together to serve neighbors in need is still very much at the heart of our organization
0: yeah definitely so you you are talking about Colorado so is project angel heart only in Colorado
1: Project Angel Heart is, uh, and so we can deliver all across the state, but we are part of a group of sister organizations that go coast to coast, known as the Food is Medicine Coalition. So there are people who do work like us in many states across the U.S. um, that are all about getting life-saving nutrition to people who are recovering from life-threatening illnesses.
0: And clarify for me or or expand a little bit on when you say life-saving, what do you mean by that?
1: Yeah, so um, I think a lot of folks know a situation where you've gone to your doctor and you've left the doctor's office with recommendations about eating better. For some of us, that's just about living and feeling better, and for some of us, that's really about living. You know, if you had a heart attack or you're you have kidney disease, what is in your diet is key to you being able to recover and just spending more time with people in your life. And so, diet becomes crucial. In an example like heart disease, you can't have too much sodium. In um, an ex- example, like kidney disease, you have to be really careful about the different vegetables and nutrients that are in your food. And so we make that really easy for people. If you're at home recovering from a very serious illness or living with an illness long term, figuring out those dietary recommendations can get really difficult. And we want to take that difficulty out of people's factors they're considering when they plan their meal. So we, we help by delivering meals that they know work for their diet.
0: And how many meals a day do they receive?
1: So you Most folks get between one and two meals a day, and we find that because our meals are calorie-rich and nutrient-rich, we find that most folks are very happy with that allotment. Some folks can get a breakfast supplement if they've lost a lot of weight and they need help eating more food, so it really depends on the medical needs of each person, but usually one to two meals a day, so that would be seven to 14 a week.
0: And when they arrive, are they frozen or ready to heat up or what?
1: Yeah, that's a, a great question. So um, we put a lot of work into the sustainability of the food we produce and how we package. So we make sure that all of our packaging is recyclable. So people receive a meal, um, they'll get a bag, a hand decorated bag. The volunteers across the street help hand decorate the, across the state, sorry help hand decorate and then in that bag is uh, a week's worth of meals and those meals are all flash frozen after they're produced fresh in our kitchen and then they're hand delivered by volunteers so we have all of the we've got a whole bunch of eager geeks inside our organization Mm -hmm. that figure out all the the temperature controls and all the how many hours you can go out people are very passionate about all of that and we make sure that the highest food quality is when people receive it at their
0: homes. I I love that. And I love the decorated bags. That's a nice added touch. So what is the criteria then for someone to qualify to receive the meals?
1: That's a great question. So it is most basic. If someone is living with an acute or chronic illness, then that can be everything from heart disease to chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder to kidney disease, HIV, cancer. We have a whole host of diseases, including some rare genetic diseases that we help folks. And that. Because of their condition or because of their lives, they have struggle accessing or providing meals for themselves. And so many times folks will come to us because their doctor or social worker realizes, hey, this person is really having a hard time providing their own food. And they get referred to us through that provider. But sometimes people come to us directly. They just realize, like, hey, I'm really struggling to get food on my table and I can't just go to the grocery store to buy food because what I need is complicated and then we're happy to jump in and help people directly as well.
0: So once someone has referred them or that they've determined the need for themselves what's the process for them actually getting signed up?
1: Yeah so we have a pretty uh, simple intake process but it just makes sure that we know exactly what people need from their diet One of the key things is because we're mostly funded through donations from folks in Colorado, we have to make sure that the donations we get spread out across the year to everyone in need. So people who are referred to us tend to sit on a waiting list that can be anywhere from two weeks to six weeks. Um, Of course, we're going to talk in a little bit about how people can support Project Angel Heart, but any donation that comes in helps us shorten that waiting list because all of our meals are provided free of charge. We don't ask anything from people who receive our meals and I think that's what makes sure that it's accessible to everyone regardless of their situation.
0: So does anybody ever get, and I hate to use the word rejected, but we'll say turned away because their situation doesn't really warrant the service?
1: extremely rare. And I can't think of that happening recently. It's more often that people have to go onto a wait list that can be a little longer. So in that case, if someone has a food insecurity need in the short term, we usually work with food banks and other food providers in the area to make sure that people are getting what they need in the short term while we get them the meals they need as soon as possible.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Has COVID changed the way you do things or the need? Yes.
1: Yes. COVID has changed everything. This has been a year where whatever plans we had, I'm sure your listeners relate to this too, whatever plans we had in January were immediately thrown out the window in March. We knew in March that we needed to keep getting meals out the door. As I said, Almost 1,300 people every week are waiting on meals from us, and so regardless of COVID, regardless of rain, sleet, snow, like we need to get those meals out. The catch was, you know, most of our work in normal times is heavily involved with a lot of people working in close proximity. So, in addition to our 40 staff, we have 500 volunteers in our office on a weekly basis who help us chop, package, and deliver meals. Well, we couldn't do that in COVID, so we had to figure out new ways of working that kept everything safe for ourselves and safe for our clients. And two ways we've done that is obviously doing all of the social distancing, mask use, glove use in our office. But the other is also making sure that we have contactless deliveries with all of our clients. They are the most vulnerable people in our communities. They cannot go to the grocery store. They cannot have a lot of interactions with people outside their home because their immune systems are so vulnerable. So we set up a simple way to make sure that volunteers can still deliver the meals in a way that is safe for all of our clients. And while it has certainly been an exhausting year we have never stopped delivering our meals yet and as a matter of fact we're delivering more meals to more people than ever before in our organization's history so um it's been a time where our our team feels really proud of what we've been able to deliver
0: when you say you've been delivering more is that because of more need or just the well-oiled machine of it all
1: it's definitely a, a signal of more need i think if Across the board, we've become much more aware of people who are food insecure or just need more support in the community because of all the challenges that COVID has faced. And so we have definitely seen more demand. And because of that demand, it's forced us to be more efficient in a well-oiled machine. Yeah, I I, I think that's the best description. We're we're still trying to make sure that we're well-connected into people's doctors and social workers because, you know, a lot of folks aren't seeing those people in person right now. So I would say if any of your listeners know someone who is vulnerable at home, thinks they could benefit from our meals, just give us a call. Go onto our website, projectdataheart.org, or give us a call. We have folks who answer these questions all the time. We're happy to talk through what might work for someone in your family or in your neighborhood if you think they need our meals.
0: Okay, wonderful. If the person who needs the meals is living with others like a spouse or kids, how does that work? I mean do, does the whole household get meals or just that person?
1: That is a very savvy question and I really like it I one of the things I love about our work is that we recognize that many of the folks who are our clients are also providers for people in their lives. So a lot of our folks are and particularly our you know women in their 40s, 50s, 60s, who are also supporting others in their lives. And so we know that if we don't provide food to the whole house, that the person who needs meals the most is probably not going to eat them. And so we make sure that everyone is covered. And the story I love to tell about this is a woman who came on our program with a cancer diagnosis, and she had 12 children who were in her kinship care that she was watching over and taking care of. And we provided meals to everyone in that house for the duration of the time they were in our program um, because we knew that she wouldn't eat if we just provided meals to her.
0: Yeah. So are the meals that you provide to the other members of the family who don't have that particular medical condition different?
1: They are a little bit different, but they're still the healthiest, highest quality. So we have one kind of main diet recommendation that fits a variety of healthy habits if people need lower sodium or if people need to watch their fat intake you know this standard diet that we have applies to a broad group and then what we do is we take that diet offering and we differentiate it 20 different ways based on the diseases people are living with so that core diet goes to anybody in the family we call it our regular diet that's what goes to anybody in the family who is not living with illness
0: and I've got to ask this question because I'm I'm thinking, man, I you know I can barely get the dinner on the table some nights, you know, for the six yeah. of us in our family. You and me both. Yeah, yeah. I, I just can't even imagine all that juggling. So can you tell us a little bit about sort of the culinary process of it, and not just deciding how things get varied, but what you're going to serve in the first place? You know, coming up with varied dishes and delicious things.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And juggling is exactly the right word. So everything in our kitchen starts with a partnership between a registered dietitian and our executive chef. And they work together on a meal that is both professional quality and delicious and has all the nutrients and all of the kind of controls on fat and sodium, et cetera, that needs to have. And that looks like a, a very elaborate color-coded spreadsheet. I don't need to go into too many details, but I've seen them work in it, and it's it's down to the nitty-gritty in terms of how things are measured and weighed, et cetera. So they start working together, and then our professional chefs prepare that meal. And then we have a group of nutritionists or nutrition-trained professionals who then help make sure that those meals are differentiated by disease. So they make sure that the person with heart disease is getting what they need, the person with kidney disease is getting what they need, cancer, et cetera. And so we have a really elaborate process that is very volunteer-driven that involves sorting, dishing up, storing, freezing, that really makes sure that we can keep a handle on a very complicated inventory.
0: That's amazing. (laughs) It's just amazing. I probably know the answer to this, but given the quantity of food you put out, but are you ever able to incorporate locally grown ingredients like produce and stuff?
1: Yes. So as a matter of fact, before COVID, we were actively accepting donated produce. And so a lot of local farms, farmers, urban farms, community farms would donate their produce to our program and we would incorporate that in. We also do a tremendous amount of work around local sourcing and sourcing really high quality proteins. So our executive chef, has a very involved process to make sure that where we can source local and where we can source the highest quality, we do that whenever we can.
0: That's so wonderful. That's great. I mean you're you're helping the local farmers and producers in addition to helping your Do you call them clients? What do you how do you refer to the people who get your meals?
1: Yep, we we call them clients, and, and we know that we are of the community, right? The Colorado community has created and helped grow our organization, and so we feel an obligation to give back in that regard, that this has to be a kind of a virtuous cycle, that if we're of the community, we need to be giving back to it as well.
0: Right, that's wonderful. I'm sure you hear from people all the time who receive your meals. Have you heard from people who talk about the impact your service has made to them, not just physically, but you know, emotionally and economically?
1: I have, and I've had a, I have a very personal experience, actually, which is how I came to know Project Angel Heart. Um, one of my oldest friends, who was uh, living with HIV for quite a while, just happened one day to be working in his garden, um, and he caught an infection that most of us would just clear out of our system, no problem, but it really latched on to him. And that diagnosis really sent a lot of his life into Tailspin just because his medical costs were increasing and he wasn't able to work, uh, he lost his house, it was just a little bit of a spiral and as a friend of his, our whole group of friends really rallied together to try to figure out what we could do and a very savvy social worker stepped in uh, and made a a referral, sorry to Project Angel Heart, this was years before I started working for Project Angel Heart Mm -hmm. Um, and What we saw immediately was the stabilizing effect that having food had on his life. You know, by having food taken care of, he was able to get stable housing. He was able to reconnect with a lot of family and friends. Um, Eventually, you know, the infection was greater than what we could be against. And and he passed. But the um, the the quality of his life for the last year and a half when he was on this program was just so dramatically different from all the struggles he'd been having for them. He really left us with an incredible amount of peace and a incredible amount of reconnection. And I, you know, it's, Our work is not an abstraction for me. I've seen really clearly how this changes people's lives. We're fortunate that many more of our clients are have much more positive outcomes. The majority of people are on our program for just about four or five months. This is really about getting people through a particularly difficult phase in their life until they can start providing for themselves again. And over and over again, we just are flooded with thank you cards and notes. And sometimes people said flowers of just gratitude for the impact our meals have had on lives. And I think we're super fortunate to be in that position. It's, it's really an astounding thing.
0: Well, that leads perfectly into my next question. What, I mean, I love my job, but I'm not doing anything amazing like you. What is it like to get up every day and go to work and know that you are putting so much good out into the world every day? Well,
1: well, I have to first say I don't, I don't think you're giving yourself enough, due. Mm-hmm. The, the fact that you're having an opportunity for us to feature our work, just getting word out about our work is a tremendous way to give back to the community right now. So I, I really meant what I said. Thank you early for letting us talk about our work. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a real benefit to getting up every day, to looking at a map, to drawing a circle around your neighborhood and saying, I am going to make good things happen right here. And I would say if there are folks listening to this who have been challenged like we all have in a really difficult year and you just want to feel something good – there are a lot of ways to get involved in our program that also don't involve showing up in person. There are so many organizations that could use your support, ours being one of them. It, it is possible to make good happen nowadays, and it can happen in really simple ways with less time than you would imagine. So there, there is good out there, and I, I would encourage folks to reach out to us if they're if they're interested in being part of that. Again, uh, projectangelheart.org has all of our volunteer opportunities, but our team really takes that to heart, that, w- that we know that we're creating good, and that's why when we have a big snowstorm, or when the city went into lockdown, we kept showing up at the office, because it, it creating good has its own motivation to it.
0: And tell me again, how many staff members do you have versus volunteers?
1: We have about 40 staff members, and in a normal year, we can have upwards of 9,000 volunteers. Wow. That was what we had in uh, 2019. 9,000 volunteers that give 80,000 hours. It's crazy. That's amazing. Um, it's amazing. We could not do this without our volunteers. And one of the biggest bummers of COVID is we just don't get to see them or communicate with them as much as we were normally. But we're, we're slowly trying to move back towards a, a time where we can have most of our volunteers back in our kitchen. That's
0: that's Awesome. You know, I know life throws us curveballs like a pandemic, but where do you see Project Angel Heart going in the next few years? What's your dream for it?
1: Yeah, my big dream is we get to a place where everyone realizes that this is, in addition to being a really nice thing to do for neighbors, it's an important medical intervention at certain times in people's lives. We all know that situation where someone comes home from the hospital or the doctor's office and what is in their cabinet or in their refrigerator is just not what they need to be eating. That is a vitally crucial time to get people the proper nutrition. It's been studied. You know, there's a ton of data on this. If we can reframe our thoughts to see that this is a vital medical intervention for people, we can also start to lift some of the barriers. People sit on a waiting list for us simply because their insurance companies don't pay for this. Right And we need to change our mindset around how we get these meals to people in need, so I would love to in the next three to five years, and there are to their credit many insurance companies and hospitals that are looking at how to support Angel heart and how to support people accessing these meals. So I'm hopeful in five years we will have resolved that and you know thrown up the barriers and that people aren't finding themselves on long waiting lists because accessing these meals is actually pretty easy for them
0: yeah. Talking about volunteering, I know some people say, well, I'd, I'd love to help, but I can only do it to this extent, or I can go all in and I can help in this way. So can you talk about sort of the range of ways in which people can can help?
1: Yeah, it's most simple. If, you, if people listening to this podcast only have one minute after this, I want you to go on Instagram, go on Facebook, go on LinkedIn, go on something. Call your friends and just share what Project your Heart is and what it does. Share this podcast. Say, hey, I just heard about this great organization. That's what we need you to do. That is the simplest thing you can do. The whole thing will maybe take two minutes. It's a lot of help. If you've got an hour, we would love if people could pick up decorated bags from one of our offices, either in Denver or Colorado Springs. If you're living outside those areas, we can find a way to get them to you. So just contact us. But decorated bags are the heart of our work. It's the way we deliver love with our meals. And I remember for my friend, he had decorated bags decorating his walls. Some of them are just stunningly beautiful. And so whether you've got an artistic streak or not, Pick up some bags, help us decorate, show some love to people in need, particularly around the holidays. We need 1,500 bags every week, and so there's always a need for bags. I would say if you've got three hours and you're willing to use your car, we always need people to help us deliver meals. And as I said, it's contactless and safe. So you can go on our website, projectangelheart.org, and there's a volunteer tab there where you can learn more about that opportunity. If you're really interested in digging into this work more, food is medicine is your passion. You've got, uh, you're, you have much more talented knife skills than I do. We are looking for volunteers over the longer term to come back into our kitchen. That might have a little bit of a wait if you come and check that out, just because we're slowly reintroducing volunteers, but we're going to need more people. So please hop into the queue. We would love to have you.
0: Wonderful. Well, I'll be sure to include the link to your website and your social media handles and everything in the article that we'll have on com that will contain the link to this podcast. But it's the podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and a variety of other listening services. So people will have multiple ways to access it. So again, it's ProjectAngelHeart.org, correct?
1: That's um, correct, yep.
0: Okay, where people can and should go. And it's it is very handy that you put that volunteer tab on there. It makes it really easy to find out what people can do. So, Owen, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for what you do every single day and your staff and your volunteers. And I hope we get a lot more volunteers for you as a result of this podcast. But it's wonderful what you do. And here it's the day before Thanksgiving as we record this. And I'm very thankful for you and what you do and for your organization. So appreciate your time today.
1: Thanks, Courtney. Thanks to you and the whole Colorado community for being somebody that embraces our work and supports us. We could not do this without our community. So so thanks for getting word out there and for being part of the good in our state.
0: I'm happy to do it and happy to spread the word to all of Colorado. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you.